0: In today's episode, I am going to continue my interview with Jessica Mockett. And like always, if you haven't listened to the previous episode with my interview uh, where we talk about the impact of pornography on child sexual abuse, I encourage you to go back and listen to it. Today's interview is going to build on that previous conversation, and they definitely go together. And I'll also just reintroduce Jessica really quickly for you. I met Jessica back in 2012 when she was the director and producer of a documentary called The Heart of the Matter, which is a documentary that featured voices of people that were impacted directly by pornography and sexual addiction and betrayal trauma. And she also included some professionals. And so she invited me to be on the documentary and provide some commentary on these issues. And what I discovered when I worked with her on this documentary was someone that was very well read on this topic, knew her stuff, and was very respectful and built a lot of trust with everyone on the set and was able to pull out some really raw and honest stories from people that had a very strong impact on everybody that I've shared this documentary with. Since then, she's gone on to do a lot of other things, and she's now uh, formed a nonprofit organization called Safe Haven Holistic Recovery, and it is an organization that is designed to help women and children find healing from trauma, specifically sexual trauma, and help them discover how to be connected to God and to live joyful, healthy, and fulfilling lives. And Jessica is also an author of a guide that she assembled on how to help children who have been affected by sexual abuse. And this guide was vetted by a PhD in marriage and family therapy who made sure the research was solid. And Jessica has done such a wonderful job on this resource. I've looked at it myself and I'll leave a link in the show notes for you to be able to access it if you would like. So in today's episode, we are going to switch gears a little bit from the last episode and talk specifically about prevention and treatment of child sexual abuse. So we'll jump into some more of the, the nuts and bolts of this so that there can be some hope and people can understand that we don't have to feel so powerless and wring our hands. So I'm going to jump right into my interview with Jessica Mockett. Welcome back to the Illuminate podcast, Jessica. Thanks so much for joining me once again.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Jeff.
0: So last episode, if you haven't listened to the previous episode I had with Jessica Mockett here, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It's an episode that's a tough one to listen to, but it's so essential if you're going to be helpful to children who have been sexually abused. It's a difficult topic. It's something none of us want to even have to acknowledge the reality of, but unfortunately, it's the world we live in and it's happening and our children need us to be informed. And in this episode, we're going to take that conversation from just grabbing the problem and understanding the scope of it and making it much more about intervention, prevention, and just helping deal with these things when they're actually brought to us. And one thing that we wrapped up on the previous episode that I want to just tie back into right now is this idea that when children present with abuse, whether it's from seeing pornography or a contact offense or things like that, it's, there's so much going on in terms of the holistic impact, their spirit, their mind, their body. That a lot of times parents get so overwhelmed with even what to do with it that a lot of the times the responses they have aren't helpful to these children. And so I want to jump in right there with this conversation about how in the world do we help parents respond better and loved ones, caregivers, respond to children when they present with any sort of abuse, whether it's, again, pornographic or whether it's actual physical abuse. Jessica, can you speak to that?
1: Yeah, I can, absolutely. So One of the things, one of the key things I would say is do your best to remain calm. A lot of times, you know, the panic arises, the fear arises, the blame arises. So when your child comes to you, one of the best things that you can do is show love, be calm, and ask the right kind of, no, I'm going to take that back. Don't ask any questions the first time around. There's a time for questions, but maybe not in that first instance. You might want to give it a beat before you start asking questions. So how to respond would be, I am so sorry this happened to you. You might say, this is not your fault. I believe you. That is the biggest thing that you can do for a child when they come to you is say, I believe you. They're so terrified of being not believed. And if you don't believe them in that moment, then you are shutting them down and setting them up for a lot of pain. Another thing you can say is you are not alone in this. You can tell them, you can trust me. I am here to help you. And absolutely let them know that this doesn't change how you feel about them or how you think about them. So those are some really important things that you can and should say when your child first comes to you.
0: Because so many of the responses parents are having is, or caregivers is even their own shame and guilt for this happening to the child. Which can indirectly, or actually directly, in those cases, overwhelm the child and make the child feel like they've done something wrong. Because look, I've upset my parent, and now they're freaking out, and they don't have the capacity to recognize that the parent is really reacting to their own personal sense of failing their child. Which
1: the failing (laughs) fear,
0: right? You know, how did I
1: bring this about? How did I miss this? So yeah, anger at the person who hurt their child. But if you have all of those overwhelming emotions, like, like you said, Jeff, then you're shutting down your child. You're teaching them that they can't talk to you about this. And that's terrible for their recovery process. They need to have safe outlets to talk about it.
0: And I want to just speak for just a second to my listeners, anyone who's listening to this, who has had a child come to them and they responded poorly in the past. Please right. know that it is not too late to circle back around and repair that. Even with
1: adult children.
0: (laughs) Yes, yes. That's what I'm saying. Absolutely. Like to go back and say, you know, I know this happened when you were five back in the eighties or whatever. And I had no idea, no resources. I had no support. And I'm just listening to this podcast and these people were talking about this. And I realized that there was a better way I could have responded to you. And that would have probably helped you so much more than my own response. And I'm so sorry. And I'm learning. And can you please like help me understand what this was like for you or whatever. And just start that conversation now and say, I believe you, I all these same things you're talking about, Jessica, these things don't have like an expiration date on them.
1: No, they don't, absolutely not. That is so healing even for an adult to hear that from a parent who previously made them feel like they lied or you know, it's just so healing to finally get that belief.
0: Yeah, so um, don't believe it's too late. It's never too late.
1: Right, but my advice is for those who haven't had this encounter yet, <laughs> If it happens in your life, just do your best to put on your big girl or big boy pants and be calm and be. freak out after the child walks away. Go to your room, scream, cry, freak out, but don't do it in front of them.
0: Yeah, you have to have the presence of mind to recognize that you are dealing with someone who is so courageous and so scared and they're doing the hardest thing they'll ever have to do in terms of opening their mouth about this. And it's a gift. Of their own healing when you for their own healing when you can respond to them in softness kindness and safety and it can be done i know it can be done i've seen people do it and so just mentally and spiritually prepare yourself for the time that you know you may ever have to do that in any role whether that's with your own child or someone else's child
1: right as a leader at church as a teacher right aunt or an uncle you might be the person they trust the most to tell
0: because the abuse like you were saying in our previous episode we just touched on it lightly but there is physical emotional spiritual impact with abuse that's all affects their whole system and can you say more about why it's so important for parents to you know loved ones caregivers leaders to understand why why understanding that stuff can help create more empathy for those who have been affected
1: i'm sure yeah I, trauma is always multifaceted and something with particularly it seems with sexual abuse or pornography, especially hardcore pornography exposure, it's, it's really painful kind of trauma. And having empathy or sympathy. Empathy is, you know, when we've gone through it ourselves on some level or some capacity, sympathy is when we haven't experienced that, but we feel love and compassion for the individual. But just understanding that, you know, in regards to pornography exposure, particularly if they chose that, And you might, again, when I talked about at the beginning, ask your questions at a different time. So even if your child's coming to you with their trauma related to pornography that they have chosen to look at, again, the first reaction, the best reaction is just with love and calmness and, okay, I'm here for you. I hear you. I want to help you. I love you. We're going to work through this asking your questions later and write down your questions. And I would say a prayer before you have those conversations that the spirit guide you on what exactly to say or how to say it, because you want them to open up to you. You want them to feel like they can trust you with all the details. And as they give you all those details, do your best to, again, remain calm and process it later when you're not necessarily in their presence. So I don't know how to answer your question, Jeff, about trauma Multifaceted, but it definitely has a physical impact, certainly has an emotional impact. It has an impact on brain development. There's just so much to look at there. And as a quick note, I would say if you want to learn more about childhood trauma and how it impacts children, look at the ACEs study. Right. That was, who did that one? Oh, um, I don't know, but I know. Kaiser, is it Kaiser Permanente? I can't remember. Anyways, but you can go to ACEs, just Google ACEs study, A C E with a small S, and study, and you'll find it.
0: Yeah, this was a study that was done on thousands of people who had been through just they really measured their the impact of abuse on them as children and how they showed up as adults. And it's not just a neutral thing, like, oh, you know, people just get hurt or things happen like that. I mean, it, it had tremendous impact on people. And like you said, this is this is because of the physical, emotional, spiritual, relational elements of it. We're complicated organisms. We have so many systems going on at the same time. And we have souls, we have physical bodies, we have relationships, mm-hmm. and we live in an ecosystem of all kinds of stimuli and all kinds of things going on. And so when something like this sends a shockwave through our system and you don't have the support or the healing or you know any sort of way to make sense of it, it changes you, changes you profoundly. And it makes it really hard to feel safe in the world. It helps you reorganize the way you think about yourself, about other people, about your body. And this is why we have to be able to extend healing to anyone who's been through any type of abuse like this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Another resource that I would throw out there, but with a caveat that it might be a better resource for those who are not emotionally involved in a trauma at this time, it just as an education piece for how, how the body responds to trauma. And that's The Body Keeps the Score. Yes. It's a great book. I can not never, is it Gessel Vander? I can't ever say his name.
0: Yeah, it's Bessel Kolk. Bessel.
1: Yes, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a mouthful. Yeah.
1: yeah. Anyway, The Body Keeps the Score. Now, I, I put that caveat out there because there can, he does tell people's trauma stories and they can be triggering. Yes. So just be aware of that. But it's a really great book to help you understand how the body hangs on to and presents trauma.
0: So. so one thing I love about the work that you're doing, and again, responding to the call, Again, if you haven't listened to the previous episode, Jessica shared a dream where she felt a very clear call to help boys and girls who have been affected by childhood sexual abuse. And your approach is is comprehensive, right? It's holistic. It's not just, "Hey, let's talk about it and do some, you know, some talk therapy and help you heal from this." It's recognizing that the whole system has been affected. And can you talk about the need for holistic healing when it comes to abuse so that parents and leaders and caregivers can understand that it's not enough just to talk about it.
1: Right, absolutely. Well, again, going back to that, the idea of the body keeps the score or keeping in in your mind that the trauma is multifaceted physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. So you can't heal all of those aspects of yourself with a single type of therapy, talk therapy specifically. While it's excellent to share your story and to share it with someone safe, who understands. I mean, there is real value in that. So know that I'm not undervaluing that. But there's so much more that can and should take place. And for holistic recovery, I mean, there's physical things to consider. So yoga, meditation, deep breathing exercises, exercise. So there's there's physical aspects to consider. There's emotional aspects to consider. Nurturing. So for me, Doing work with animals has been, I mean, you could see that with all kinds of therapy around the globe, you know, working with horses, working with llamas, working with yep. cats and dogs, like rescue animals. So having nurturing opportunities is really important. Service opportunities helps to heal us, giving back to others who either have gone through something similar or have a totally different issue that you can just feel sympathy for or empathy for and you want to help them. So and that's really good for children to do service for other people. There's art expression, right? So art therapy, music therapy, dance, theatrical things, poetry, writing. So th- there's all sorts of expression that's really great for therapeutic recovery. Diet, keeping yourself healthy, fueling your body in in a correct way. So I mean, if you're fueling your body with junk food all the time or fast food, and you're dealing with the trauma, well, it's actually hindering your recovery process because your body isn't getting the nutrients and the strength that it needs. There's alternative medical things to consider. So yes, we, we advocate therapy. There's play therapy. There's sand tray therapy. There's cognitive behavioral therapy. There's all kinds of EMDR. We love EMDR, right? That's a great form of therapy for trauma, PTSD. But we also like to have people consider alternative practices, what we currently call alternative in our society, which in the next decade or so may not have that term. But So energy work. There are some really excellent modalities out there that are excellent for helping to recover from addiction and trauma. Something else you might consider would be chiropractic or massage therapy. There's just all kinds of things that we can and should consider when healing and recovering from trauma and abuse.
0: Yeah, I think it's important to be really open-minded and recognize that the more kind of constraints we put on healing, the more we sort of perpetuate the powerlessness and the limiting... Sort of power of abuse, and and just we right. want to be open and, and uh, free. And I know a lot of I have several clients that have attended trauma retreats and healing retreats where they've done expressive dance and mm-hmm. um, done all of, done of, right, mm-hmm. yeah, done things that get their bodies moving and all kinds of things under you know again under supervision under under appropriate structure, but right. really allowing the body to to move. Where abuse is so constricting, abuse is so dark and keeps people stuck, and so. Uh,
1: Right. And one one thing I would quickly say is that mm -hmm. we're all different from each other. So one path to recovery that works for someone may not be the right path for someone else. Absolutely. So you have to be open to the idea of creating your own individual path to recovery or helping your child create their path with recovery. And again, that comes back to personal revelation and prayer and being close to the spirit and really asking what's going to work for us.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I, love, I love the model that you've, you've uh, outlined in your you know, your safe haven model for healing um, in this book that I'm going to put a link to in the show notes. Uh, in the previous episode, we talked about a, an incredible resource that Jessica and her group have put together called The Holistic Guide for Helping Your Child Heal from Sexual Abuse and Trauma. And this, this is helpful for, again, whether your child has been directly uh, with a contact offense or even has been exposed to pornography, which we talked about in the last episode, is a form of child sexual abuse. Just recognizing that your child is going to need more than just, you know, talk or, or just uh, stopping the behavior or making sure that they're safe. We, we have to do more to help them. And I love the model, which is based on these five areas of connection, nurture, confidence, expression, and faith. And you also mentioned in this guide too, one thing I love is, you you know, it's not only just the, the children, the victims of the abuse, but recognizing that parents and caregivers also need healing as well.
1: Yes, Absolutely. The parents have, got, or have and will go through a trauma themselves when their child is going through it. That's just inevitable. Whether it's just the impact of what your child has experienced that is hurting you, or if your child's experience brings up things that happened to you that you never healed, didn't work through. So understand that for sure parents are going to need to take care of themselves so that they can take care of their children.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and you're right. It's it's absolutely a trauma for the parents. I mean, trauma is about powerlessness, about having a situation that overwhelms your capacity to cope. And even if, like we talked about before, even if you have a really strong response that you regret later on, extend that right. healing to your child, release them from any sense of responsibility for your own reaction, and get yes. the healing that you need for yourself.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah, and so, and you've covered you've covered a lot of the ideas of where where parents can go, caregivers can go for helping their child. And the biggest thing is to take action, to do something, to start looking into healing options for them instead of just dismissing it or assuming it'll get better with time or heaven forbid, just stop talking about it, right? Right. (laughs) They just, yeah, they're counting on you to do something with it.
1: That's the worst thing I think you can do is to pretend it didn't happen. Right, right. You want to make sure that you're showing your child that, and I understand financially there's limits right all the things that i listed you would love to do all of those things but there's financial limits so that's again where i come back to prayer you know what is the most what are the three most important things you can do right now to help heal from recovery is that talk therapy is it yoga is it getting your cat uh, a pet for their anxiety and depression you know what are the top three things that you can do right now that you can afford to do and then build on that as time goes on
0: Right. So and it doesn't all have to happen in a week. You know, you don't have yeah. to This is such a long-term play and it's such a slow process of healing that it's important to recognize that you're settling in for a long journey of healing that will extend into their adulthood as they understand more as they enter into romantic relationships or maybe even have children right. of their own and
1: It does, right. but really quickly, Jeff. I want to remind parents that the more you can get them help right now, the more equipped and healthy are gonna be moving into their adult life.
0: Yes. Yeah. Please so, don't misunderstand me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not suggesting just take it slow and just take the time. I'm just saying recognize that, yes, thank you for clarifying that. Absolutely. Jump on it now and get them the resources now. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I would I wouldn't want anybody to get passive based on that last statement. So <laughs> thanks for the clarification there. But yeah, my point, my point hopefully is is uh, is clear and your point as well take action now believe them start looking for resources do as much as you can for them now to equip them because the closer it is to the trauma the more they won't have to suffer with a bunch of shame and you know overwhelm and all these things that just are part of trauma but recognize mm-hmm. that that you don't just look for a stopping point you don't just basically say to them well you know it's been a year why are we still talking about this it's it's about recognizing that right. this is something that will extend into their adulthood even in that your willingness to, to have compassion and, and a willingness to talk about it and help them know that they're not alone in it is a is really a, a long-term type thing.
1: Right. So just really quickly, I'm going to remind your audience that the guide that we've put together is a great resource yes. for all of these types of, of things that we've been discussing. So there's three very large sections that address healing from pornography and masturbation addictions and compulsions. There's a section that helps parents understand how to heal from Trauma created by sexual bullying or if your child participated in making pornography and now regrets it. And then there's a section on actual hands-on sexual abuse or rape or molestation. The book contains sections on prevention, how, what to do as a family right now to help prevent and, and have openness in your, in your home. There's educational information and there's a huge resource list in the back so you can continue your education outside of this guide.
0: Right. And this guide is not going to cost you an arm and a leg. It's very affordable and it's available right now. Can you tell people where they can find it?
1: Yeah. Um, safehavenholisticrecovery.org. There's a link on the homepage that will take you to where you can look at purchasing the guide. You can get a digital copy, which is really fairly inexpensive, or you can get a hard copy mailed to you.
0: And this, this guide wasn't just put together in some kind of weekend binge that <laughs> Jessica did this is very, this has been an ongoing project for many years and she's pulled she's pulled in the oversight and support of experts in these in yeah. these areas and has worked with a team and Jessica has great connections to lots of people who are on all sides of this issue and this is i mean it's it's a holistic guide that talks about holistic solutions but the guide itself is holistic in the sense that it's it's so It covers so many areas, and so it'll give you lots of starting points and lots of hope. And that's the biggest thing. I love what it says in there is hope is medicine. And people need to know that just because something tragic like this has happened, there are answers and there is support and there is healing. Yes. So I'm going to make this available in the show notes, the link to safehavenholisticrecovery.org. And again, you can purchase a digital download or if you want a hard copy, that can be uh, purchased as well. And I do feel like every home should have one of these guides, whether you believe your child has been abused or not. I think every concerned parent and adult should care about these issues and be more informed because there are lots of children out there who need to be believed and need support. And there's lots of adults out there who went through these experiences as children and many of their struggles currently can be tied back to that. And so the more we can just understand and validate these uh these experiences, it just offers healing on so many levels and so many ages.
1: I absolutely agree, Jeff. Thank you.
0: Yeah. So Jessica, thank you so much. Anything else you want to share with our listeners that, you know, that would kind of summarize or wrap up some of your thoughts on, on this and, and, uh, offer a little bit of hope?
1: Yeah, I would just, I mean, you know, I would tie back to the, hopefully you don't mind with the Celsius audience. I would tie back to the idea that all experiences are ultimately for our good. The traumatic experiences ultimately give us wisdom and experience, empathy. And so as these things unfold in your life, um, these situations with your children, or as you're looking at it from your own experience and wanting to heal, just know that it's, it's an experience that is going to make you a better person if you allow it to. You can choose not to let it make you a better person, and then life becomes even harder. But choosing recovery, choosing hope, choosing healing, you will find that there is a lot of love and light out there.
0: Yeah, I love that. I really appreciate that. There is growth. We know that there's post-traumatic growth. There is there is light, and you know it, it may not be your fault. There are so many opportunities for healing, and I'm just grateful that you've provided an invitation and resources to actually help facilitate that. So thank you so much for your time, Jessica. Thank you, Jeff. You can learn more about Jessica and the work she's doing by visiting safehavenholisticrecovery.org. You can also find the guide that she has produced and you can download that or purchase a physical copy and learn more about how to support any child or young person that has been sexually abused, both boys and girls. And it's really important to be informed and armed with good information. I wanna thank Jessica for not only her time on this podcast, but just for all the wonderful work that she's doing to offer light and hope and, and a joy to people that have been through so many hard things. And I hopefully you were able to benefit from this episode and the previous one where we talked about some really difficult things, but I appreciate her courage and her willingness to speak up about these things. And uh, the world definitely needs more people like Jessica Mockett. So thank you so much, Jessica. And uh, I'm sure we'll be able to hear more from you down the road as well. Once again, I want to thank all of you for your participation and listening and your comments with the Illuminate podcast. It's been such a joy to meet with you every couple weeks and talk about these topics and look for solutions and answers and give resources. If you feel so inclined, please go to iTunes and leave a rating for the podcast. Let us know what you think. And that actually makes it easier for other people to find this life-changing information. And I will see you in the next episode.